Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 2013 Mattercast. These are shows we do from time to time to update you on the pod, where we are, what we're doing, and what our plans are for the future. Good news first. We're putting together some premium content to mark this Mattercast. It'll be ready in December, and it will be ready in December. So, if you're an existing subscriber as of November 30th, or you have donated a one-time donation of $50 between this show going live and November 30th, you will receive the premium content, which is some really kick-ass Flash stories, in December. See? Awesome stuff for donating to us and plenty of time to jump aboard to make sure you get it. Now, I know, I know in the past due to all sorts of technical and administrative issues, which frankly don't matter at this point, our ability to deliver premium content has been non-existent. That's changed. We are incredibly motivated. We have swept all the old failed systems out of the way, and we have built in a buffer to make sure that if you sign up, if you do donate in the deadline which I've talked about, You will get these stories. You just will. Trust me, everyone involved is so motivated to do this. You will get these stories if it is the last thing we do. And we are desperately hoping that it won't be. Now the bad news. This Metacast is going to be a little different. You'll get that, don't worry, but you should know something up front. We're in serious financial trouble. So serious... We're looking the end of the company in the eyes at the end of 2013, unless you can help. The last thing we wanted to do was just to blindly beg for help without giving you some idea of what and who you're going to be helping. So get ready to meet the team. Listen to them. Listen to the love they have for this work, what they have planned, and please, please stay listening to the end, because we're not done. Not if you can help us. First up... We have Escapepod, the galactica of our ragtag fugitive fleet, edited by Norm Sherman with production, submissions and feedback being provided by two-fisted super genius Matt Weller and the inimitable man of mystery himself, Nathan Lee. It's produced over 400 episodes of science fiction. Here are the guys, walking you through what they do, why they do it, and what their plans are. Over to you, Captain Sherman. Hey folks, Norm here, editor for Escape Pod. So, a lot of you might not know what we do behind the scenes here in a pro-market science fiction podcast magazine like Escape Pod. Because, why would you? All that boring administrative stuff is ours to worry about, and you're just here for the fiction, right? That's certainly why I started listening to the show back in 2006. Awesome stories. They made my commute go by in a jiff. What a cool dude, this Steve Ely guy, I thought. He's buying and producing all this cutting-edge material from top authors and basically giving it away, hoping some people help him keep at it by donating. I kind of want to get in on that. So, in January 2007, I started my own fiction podcast, The Drabblecast. In January 2008, I started reading for Escape Pod. By 2009, I was co-hosting, and here we are in 2013, and I edit the damn thing. Get in on it, indeed. I do editor stuff. I send emails, read submissions, solicit authors, move and shake, make connections. And how did it come to this? I'm just here for the fiction, like you, remember? Turns out that means something other than what I originally thought. Something more. 
Stories matter. They change the way we think about things. They challenge us, entertain us, set our imagination spinning. There's a dynamic partnership that happens between the writer and the audience when you become engaged in a good story. You become an investor, a stakeholder in the experience. And that's what I am. That's what we all are. That's how I ended up here. That's why we feel comfortable asking you for your support right now. Because you're not giving to Escape Pod. You're just here for the fiction. So be there for the fiction. Thanks. Greetings and salutations. Assistant Editor Nathan here with, um... Not the feedback, actually. How I Got Here. By me. I got into Escape Pod, actually, because of my job on the night shift at a hotline. It was long and boring hours in the middle of the night, and I started poking around looking for things to entertain myself. I had some fiddly paperwork that didn't take much thought, and I love horror fiction, especially short horror, so I really quickly found Pseudopod and was highly enthused. I commented on every story. Then they stopped taking comments at the website and made me come to the forums, where I kind of started listening to the other two Escape Artist podcasts because of the same sort of guilty feeling that makes me fill in all the holes behind me when I'm mining for iron in Minecraft. Luckily, they're good podcasts, and they're run by awesome people, and they publish great stories. So, hey, lucky break. At any rate, because I am a loud and opinionated jerk, I wrote lengthy rants on the forums, analyzing all the stories to death and condemning the fools who opposed me. This attracted the attention of the editors, who somehow thought it was a reason to offer me a slush-reading position, and I was happy to help out, and through sheer excess of spare time and tendency to beanplate, I became the most productive slush monkey. Not the best, just the loudest. Then, when some editorial reshuffling happened, I got the nod for the assistant editor post and gained my own team of slush wranglers, which I have since filled with lickspittles and toadies, except for treacherous Iton, who will one day strike me down and consume my still-beating heart and with it all my power. And my job is functionally the same as that metal thing over your shower drain, the one that gets clogged with all the hair and guck and stuff that you're pretty sure didn't come out of you. Escape Pod is pretty well known and pays pro rates, but even so, there is an amazing amount of chaff to be sifted before we find the gems in the rough because a stitch in time saves for half damage. Um, basically, the slushies are the shock troops of the Dark Army. They take the full brunt of the enemy assault and fall exhausted into their tents at night. I am like the mid-boss, who has to spar with the select few who rise above the fray and test their mettle, and the very best then pass through the gates to face the Dark Lord Norm, and the true heroes emerge on the other side as escape pod stories. Luckily, I am an enormously judgmental and misanthropic jerk, so I actively enjoy reading stories looking for flaws. I feel like I'm improving the overall quality of literature and protecting fragile minds from the horrors of the dark depths of the internet. On the other hand, as I've sometimes mentioned, I'm actually not that into science fiction as a genre, so sometimes my picks are a little bit of blindfold knife-throwing, where I say, well, I don't like this much, but if I were a hardcore SF fan, how would I feel? I'm actually fairly smug about the fact that I am often correct in my estimates, and such stories regularly end up garnering long and enthusiastic threads in the forums. And it's not like I hate sci-fi, I'm just... More of a fantasy horror guy. I like my job, I like Escape Pod, and I hope to serve for many years to come. 
Hey, this is Matt, producer at Escape Pod, and you know, this piece of music that's underneath us is very long, and yet somehow these two goofballs in front of me managed to take up most of it, so I'll be short. Uh, I've been in podcasting for a long time, been a fan of doing it and listening to it, and I'm a huge fan of storytelling. I mean, honestly, if you look at my 35, 40 podcast subscriptions, uh, probably 95% of them involve storytelling, uh, whether it be fiction or nonfiction. So I approached Pseudopod and asked if I could read for them, and they were nice enough to give me an opportunity to do that. And then when my schedule opened up a little bit and I was able to make the offer, I asked them if I could help uh, in a more uh, you know, production-based capacity, and uh, yada, 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 here I am at uh, Escape Pod. Uh, I love this show. I love the uh, fiction that we put out every week, and I love the fact that now in my contact list, I've got so many of the new media stars uh, that I've adored from the time that I first started listening to patio books and, and uh, free online fiction podcasts and such. Plus, since now it's part of my duty to help find the narrators, I get to keep stories for myself and, and get to stroke my own ego a little bit that way. So that's fun, too. What I'm most proud of with this whole project is the fact that along with me are some people that are very passionate about uh, literature, very passionate about storytelling, and uh, very passionate about putting together a good show that will make other people happy. And I, I hope you will take that into consideration. And if you can help us out at all, every bit is appreciated and, frankly, needed. Okay, welcome everyone. Welcome to Escape Pod, the first and probably for the next five minutes or so, the only science fiction podcast magazine. It's a pretty simple idea here. Each week I'll find and I'll present to you a short story that I like, science fiction, fantasy, or horror. It'll be a fun story, it'll be a thought-provoking story, it'll be about a 20 minutes to an hour story. Now, as for me, my name is Steve Ely. I'm a science fiction writer myself. I'm living in Atlanta, Georgia. This podcast thing sounded like a pretty healthy and wholesome way of procrastinating on my own writing, and if it happens to get any of the three or so of you who are listening interested in some of the stories I present here, then so much the better. Escape Pod began on May 12, 2005, with a story called Imperial by my friend Jonathan Sullivan. The goal at launch was very simple. I wanted to create an audio magazine, short SF and fantasy stories, narrated for people who didn't have time to read stories, or didn't know if they'd be worth the time. To make sure we got good stories from serious authors, it would have to be a paying market, with rates and contracts that authors could respect. And to make sure these stories reached as many listeners as possible, we'd give them away. If we built an audience that valued what we were doing, the audience would donate to keep us going. If we didn't, it would be a fun, but short, experiment. We did something right. For 100 weeks, without exception, we've brought you great stories from great writers. With the support of you, our listeners, we've been able to raise our payment rates to triple digits every week. You've told your friends about us, and our audience has grown. I can now say with confidence that Escape Pod is the world's leading science fiction podcast. We also have the fourth largest circulation for short science fiction periodicals in the English language. And we're still growing. I'm telling you this to tell you what you've done. I bring myself into Escape Pod, I talk in these intros, 
But the podcast is not about me. Its success is not about me. It's about stories and the people who listen to them. It's about you. I thank you deeply, powerfully. Good evening, and welcome to Pseudopod, the bi-weekly horror podcast magazine. I'm your host, Mer Lafferty, co-editor of Pseudopod, along with Ben Phillips. We strive to bring you the best in horror audio. Like our sister podcast, Escape Pod, we are a paying market, supported by the donations of our listeners. Welcome to the long-awaited first episode of Podcastle. I'm Anne Leckie, one of several hosts of Podcastle. You'll meet the others in the next few weeks. There were times along the way that we weren't sure this would ever get off the ground, but here we are, and we hope you'll have as much fun as we've been having. One of the great things about fantasy is how varied the genre is. Fairy tales, gothic stories of ghosts and curses, romanticized versions of medieval Europe where magic reigns and quests and prophecies are a dime a dozen, what might be the real world except something is just off, or the flat-out surreal, not to mention a host of others. You could even make the argument that all fiction is a subset of fantasy fiction. How well you can make that argument is a can of worms I'm not going to open just now, but the fact remains that fantasy is an awfully wide field, and Podcastle intends to bring you as many kinds of fantasy as we can find. But enough of that. You're here for the story. We'll see you next week. Until then, I've been saying this. Until then, have fun. Hi, this is Cory Doctorow, and I'm here to tell you why I support Escape Pod. They're uh, an amazing place to hear fiction, and not just modern fiction, but some of the great classics. They've always made an emphasis on uh, uh, finding new writers and breaking out new talent. They broke all kinds of new ground with their Hugo-winning podcasts, their Hugo nominees podcasts, and uh, they are one of my don't misses every single week. I hope you'll support them too. Thanks. Hello. This is David D. Levine, Hugo Award-winning writer of Tale of the Golden Eagle, Tick, 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 Zauberschrift, Win from a Dying Star, and others. I'm a big fan of all of the Escape Artists podcasts. There is nothing like a podcast to put a story right inside your head in a way that not even reading it can do. Podcasts are cool, too, because you can listen to a podcast in circumstances where you can't read, like driving a car or working out at the gym. I think the Escape Artist podcasts are a fabulous service to the science fiction community, and I hope that you'll support them. Hi, this is Tim Pratt, author of various things, uh, stories including Little Gods and Heart and Boot and Impossible Dreams and lots of other stories that have appeared on various Escape Artist podcasts. In fact, if you're familiar with my work at all and you're listening to this, you probably heard about me through the pods because I've been publishing with them pretty much since they started, and really my career has grown along with them. Now, the pods are wonderful, but they're not cheap, so they need money. If you're able to give, please do give. They're pretty much as worthy a cause as you can get. Thanks, chaps. Now, let's talk about Pseudopod. I'm I'm actually smiling as I speak here. I came to Pseudopod entirely through dint of being cocky. I heard that Mo was leaving, I emailed Steve, and I literally said, I'd be dead good at this. Pick me. Go on, pick me. You know you want to. And to my rank amazement, he did. Because I was apparently top of his list for possible replacements. 
We reconfigured the show when I came on board with two-fisted uber-genius Ben Phillips taking full-time duties as editor and me taking full-time duties as host, and away we went. Go back and listen to my first show. It's around episode 49. I sound so young, and I sound terrified. Seriously, and that's because I bloody was. Uh, It was a deeply, deeply weird feeling, sitting down in front of the mic and talking to the entire internet, or at least a good chunk of it. I got less scared over time. I got better at it over time, and I started opening up. A lot of the stories we run affect me, and I found myself talking about how they did this through the lens of personal experience, talking about the stories themselves through the lens of personal experience. I'm not joking when I say this, but doing that, doing this work, kept me balanced and healthy and relatively happy during some of the very rough things that have happened in my personal life over my time on the show. I wouldn't be me. I wouldn't be a tenth as happy as I am without Pseudopod. I love this job. I can't put it more plainly than that. Nothing I do, nothing I have ever done is more enjoyable and means more to me than this. Nothing. Sean is one of the finest editors I have ever had the privilege to work with, and Graham, our sound producer, does unbelievable needlepoint work. I really want to still be doing this job in 2014. We all do. Now, here's Sean to walk you through his side of things with Pseudopod. Greetings. I didn't see you there. It's very gloomy here in the catacombs below Pseudopod Towers. Welcome to our dingy little corner of the Metacast. I'm Sean Garrett, ye old editor, and I'm glad you sought me out, as I'd like to talk to you for a moment. Please, pull up a slab and let's talk about Pseudopod, what it is, where it comes from, and where it's reaching for next. I've slaved away here at Pseudopod as an editor for just on three years now, since Phillips the Wise vanished after touring these self-same catacombs in the winter of 2010. I've done a little redecorating on the whole place, as you may have noticed, but the structure itself is still as sound as when Ben first moved in. The structure, that is. My conception of this podcast did not differ too much from what you were already getting low those many years ago. We were, are, and hopefully will continue to be, a venue for new short horror fiction, made available in audio format for free on a weekly schedule. In this way, I feel we will fill an honorable and important position in the horror genre as a whole, one which the traditional purveyor, the print magazine, may not be able to weather with oncoming tech and social changes. True, when I came aboard, I decided that Pseudopod needed to display the entire array of writing that the term horror encompasses, and we've slowly been working towards that goal, salting in classic works, known and unknown, and pursuing rights from 20th century masters of the form, who sometimes get overlooked due to the nature of creative commons and copyright. It's not as easy as you may think. We've still got a lot left to do here, before I can rest my weary bones. The towers need constant upkeep, as well you might expect, and the blood valves are always getting clogged. It can be lonely work sometimes, but all of us here, myself, Alistair, audio producer Graham Dunlop, and assistant editors Joe Fitzpatrick, Nick Winnick, Alex Hoflich, Brian Lieberman, Jesse Shearer, and Nicole Suddeth, do this work because we love horror, and we love this podcast, and we believe in its power. 
and I would just like to publicly thank the aforementioned. They're a dedicated group, and they're fully responsible for your entertainment. I'd also like to thank our tireless readers. They're 50% of the whole presentation, and an integral part of our operation and our reputation. We'd like to start paying them soon, as they deserve some recompensation for their hard work, and that plan is something about which you will hear more eventually. Pseudopod comes from a little-known tradition of audio horror. No, not the classic radio drama form. You can see the annex off to the right there, with the honorary plaques for Archobler, Alonzo Dean Cole, Willis Cooper, Hyman Brown. It stretches quite a bit into the gloom. No, I'm talking about the reading of horror fiction straight to an audience. Perhaps you haven't realized that you're surrounded by cyclopean statues even as we speak, stretching into the upper reaches of the catacombs, providing the very foundation for pseudopod towers. There's the onyx sculptures of Ted Osborne and Don Douglas, and further down, the dreadful robed figure of John Willis Morrow. Nelson Olmsted and Ken Nordine, hovering eternally before granite microphones, are the cornerstones of the Red Tower. And further south, you can just make out the legs of Eric Bowersfeld and Michael Hansen, support for the Black Tower. Yes, Pseudopod is a very big place, and we haven't even started unsealing new passageways kept blocked for eons. Horror means many things, and here, it will continue to mean many things. We have quite a year's end planned for you. There are a few classic tales coming from H.F. Arnold and Charles Dickens and Jack London, plus a wonderful rush of new authors and some big names like Kim Newman and Mark Samuels. There will be some new voices echoing through the dimness as well, including Anson Mount of TV's Hell on Wheels, if everything goes as planned. There's a steampunk monster tale on the horizon, and there may or may not be a sudden rush of flash fiction to finish out the year. I haven't decided yet. But 2014 should start off with the winners of the Pseudopod Flash Contest. After that, who knows? In 2014, there will be a special promo featuring a tour through three distinct fictional time periods and showcasing names like E.T.A. Hoffman, Gautier, Nathaniel Hawthorne, C.L. Moore, and A. Merritt. And, as for the White Street Society, Guru Koresh, and Coyote... Well, you'll just have to wait and see. Your humble editor's long-planned showcasing of the decadent writers may reach horrible, overripe fruition, along with an interesting tour through an even more obscure back alley of audio horror long overlooked. There will be traditional episode tales from Robert E. Howard and Irvin S. Cobb, and, of course, episode 400. We've been talking to Joe Hill's agent, and we've been pursuing a classic duo of tales centered on Jack the Ripper, but nothing is set in Gravestone yet. I'd like to thank you for your time, and again for listening to our humble podcast. Without you, the listeners, we would be voices talking to ourselves in the echoing outer darkness. Now, we get to be voices talking to you in your echoing inner darkness. Now, you must be off. These soul scabs aren't going to peel themselves. Off with you, and let there be fright. Now, where did I put that pickaxe? Ah, here it is. Now for something completely different. As I said at the top of the show, if you're an existing subscriber on November 30th, or you have donated a one-time donation of 50 bucks between this show's release date and November 30th, you're going to receive the premium Flash content in December. But, as a special bonus, Nathan from EscapePod is here with a piece of Flash fiction because even when our backs are up against the wall, it's still all about the stories. 
So check the news for weather and monster reports before you go outside. Take a walk through the rough part of town and watch out for super dials. Please have your authorizations ready before listening. Dress to kill and set accessories to stun. Dress warmly and tell your mother you love her. It's story time. Recalculating by Tina Connolly. Proceed 20 feet and arrive at your destination. Scanning. My sensors affirm there is no human female 36 in this house. Yet again. New destination? Speak up, please. Remember, my audio receptor was damaged, and there are no replacements within a 300-mile radius. Recalculating. The battery is capable of completing this journey. Please affirm you have the necessary equipment. Scuba gear. Least favorite wetsuit. One pound fresh produce, tightly bagged. State type? Long-cherished dream of co-worker. Describe wistful imaginings? Cease. That is plenty to go on. Take on-ramp to Highway 101 South. Continue 32 miles, avoiding potholes. Though potholes are ubiquitous, some of these could swallow a minivan. Be alert. The off-ramp sign is gone, but you will see a broken billboard reading White Sands Mall. Take that exit and drive until the water is too high to continue. Suit up, put me in your fanny pack, and wade out. Though I am capable of self-propelled motion, you will need me near. Crawl stroke when necessary. That patch that sparkles is the blacktop roof of the mall. They have pipes there to run the oxygen and catch seagulls. They also have booby traps. Stay away from the roof. Dive down and frog kick 220 feet to the right. The mall has one landlubber's entrance through the Nordstrom's. If you see the Cinnabon, you've gone too far. Grab the end of the Nordstrom's and lever yourself down three flights to the front door. It will be dark inside. Show them your spinach, and the guard will let you in. They still have sneakers and are willing to trade. The Nordstrom's floor is generally wet. The carpet got soaked when the first wave hit and never really dried out. If you are allergic to fungus, get a move on. The further in you go, the better sealing job they've done. Nobody lingers in the Nordstrom's. You will have to navigate several layers of waterproofing devices. It will seem like no one is watching you. This will not be true. Near the Topsies, you will meet the inhabitants. Though they seem an average cross-section of humanity, this is not the case. Ninety percent of them have agoraphobia. Another eight percent are afraid of the ocean. You will recognize their leader by the amount of Claire's jewelry he wears. He will likely be scented with warm vanilla body wash. Even his agoraphobia hardly dims his luster. You may find your interaction goes more smoothly if you tell him how brave he is for keeping his tribe alive and thriving in the mall under the ocean. He will pretend he is too modest for compliments. He would rather interest you in a fine selection of colognes in exchange for your spinach. You're still interested in the girl? Yes, my sensors have located the likely target, but she is a small, mousy thing, saddled with acute shyness in addition to her other fears. Very well. Recalculating. Proceed eighty feet to the women's shoe locker. She has made a home for herself behind the Nikes and Adidas, 
and she is not likely to go with you, even if you produce the extra wetsuit you have brought. It does not matter that you have thought her name in my dreams. It does not matter that you think you knew her when we were both young and foolish, flipping ice cream at the Cold Stone Creamery in the food court. That is a different girl. That is a girl who left. This is a girl who stayed. And she is not so much a girl, is she? In your dreams she is still nineteen, and she laughs when you sneak over to the Chick-fil-A and drop scoops of ice cream in the fryer. But here in the mall she is thirty-six, and she prefers rubber soles and aglets to the world above. You take her by the hand, a moist under-the-sea hand, and you say softly, Come with me. Time passes, and the water pools in your flippers. The leader will come soon, and want to exchange Mrs. Doubtfire DVDs for your spinach. You are waiting. You must decide, and I cannot stay here forever. The sea air will ruin my processor. I have a vested self-interest. You cannot blame me for this, where this is leaving you with a mall of stored dreams, vacuum-packed against love and foreseen apocalypses. Recalculating About the author. Tina Connolly has published better stories and better venues than people like me can hope for, and her second novel, Copperhead, is out from tour this October. Her Parsec-winning podcast, Toasted Cake, is a constant delight and a gold mine of high-quality flash fiction, and her website is tinaconnolly.com, two L's. I wish she were not as nice as she is, so I could hate her properly. This is Assistant Editor Nathan, signing out. Our youngest show next, Podcastle. I used to say fantasy wasn't really my bag, but I'm full of crap. And that's entirely down to Podcastle. The sheer variety and quality and quantity of stories Anna and Dave curate and put out has shown me just what a wonderful, deep genre it is. And their love for it is infectious. It shines through in everything they produce. Now, here they are to talk about the show. Hello. Hello! I'm Dave. And I'm Anna. And together with Peter Wood, Ann Leckie, and now LaShawn Wanick, we make Podcastle, bringing you fantasy stories each week. And we love to do it. You'll hear from Al and Paul about what's prompting us to talk to you at this point in time. But we want to tell you about things we've done lately and things that are upcoming. Episode 300 is coming up. I'm not entirely sure how many listening hours 300 episodes provides, but considering how long some of our giants are, maybe 3,000. Okay, probably not that much. We've had some incredible authors like Peter S. Beagle, Gene Wolfe, Kelly Link, Garth Nix, Holly Black, and Scott Lynch. We have this incredibly smart and exciting steampunk-esque series from Daniel Abraham, Balfour and Merriweather that we just bought the third story for, and which I personally think is the best of the bunch. And we like to take chances and show the diversity of fantasy fiction. Whether it's fun adventure fantasy by Saladin Ahmed, like Where Virtue Lives, or the quiet, understated, selected program notes from the retrospective exhibition of Teresa Rosenberg Latimer by Kenneth Schneer, which is a subtle and unique story I think our listeners went in thinking would bore them, and then it left them all just incredibly moved by the end. 
We also ran Ken Liu's The Paper Menagerie, which then went on to win the Hugo, Nebula, World Fantasy, just about every award that year. Podcastle focuses on reprints. We look for the tales from other venues that catch our eye and bring them together here. We strive for variety. I always refer to our founder Steve Ely's idea. If you don't like a particular week's story, come back next week for words in a different order. Although choosing is the part of the work traditionally considered the editorial job, I think the true art of what we do is matching the story up to the perfect reader. We love our narrators, and we have incredibly talented people doing this for us, including our own Dave. But up until now, our appreciation for their labor has been the abstract kind. Podcastle is at this moment trying to work out the process and the contracts to pay narrators for the enormous work they do. Remember those 3,000 hours Dave spoke about a moment ago. The pay for narrators, like everyone else's at Escape Artists, will be on the beer money scale. But we strongly believe that all work that is worth doing is worth paying for, even a token amount. Help us do that. We're the Escape Artists guinea pig for this project. And if it works and is sustainable, our sister podcasts may adopt our model. We do focus on reprints, but occasionally we run some great originals. We've run Ben Burgess's Smokestacks Like the Arms of God, about a labor strike in hell, and Michael John Grist's The Tonser's Son, about a beard full of evil. They're great stories, and at some point in the future, it'd be nice if we could pay just a little more money for those originals. The other day... Dave and I had a surprising conversation about how long each of us has been working for PodCastle. The first episode aired in April of 2008. We were not part of the team back then. Dave and I started working on PodCastle in late 2009, and by early 2010, the stories we had chosen began to air for you listeners, intermixed with stories Rachel had bought and the stories Anne had chosen for the month of February 2010. We both surprised ourselves with the big picture. We've been doing this work for four years. In that time, I completed a rigorous training and went to work in a different field. Dave had another child. Trees fell on my house and had my family living in complete uncertainty with access to 10% of our belongings for six months. Dave started reading audiobooks, and throughout it all, Every week, we brought you stories. All things pass, even PodCastle, even our tenure in this strangely consistent part of our lives. But we'd like to go on for a while longer. We have ideas. We have new things to share with you. If you're interested, hang on, because Paul has a plan. Thank you guys all so much for listening, and hopefully you'll hear again from us real soon. Thanks, guys. We've talked about how the company's in trouble, but now it's time to hear not only just what's going on, but what you can do about it. Here's our publisher and accountant, Paul, to take things down to brass tacks. 
Hello, everyone. This is Paul Herring, the publisher and accountant for Escape Artists Incorporated. You don't usually hear from me, but it's high time we sat down and had a heart-to-heart. In the years since May 2005, when the first episode of Escape Pod went live, we have often been called the standard bearer when it comes to free weekly podcast fiction. We're very proud of that distinction, and we're proud of what we've been able to accomplish in our incredible eight-year run. Yeah, eight years. Can you believe it's been that long? From day one, our founder, Steve Ely, had a vision of providing weekly genre fiction to listeners free of charge. He had a vision of becoming a leading paying market for authors looking to find new ways to publish their work and find new audiences. It was a unique plan, an intriguing experiment, and one that's lasted longer than anyone could have ever imagined. But unfortunately, our days may very well be numbered. The one fundamental flaw of our buy stories from authors, then produce it in audio and release it for free model is that it lacks a source of income for us to continue to pay our authors and our staff. To fill that gap, we have always relied on you, our dear listeners, to voluntarily donate to escape artists so we can keep going. Those of you that do, we appreciate it more than we can say. But that number is dropping, and we are in very serious financial trouble. Escape Artists is in danger, and we desperately, desperately need your help if we are going to keep our doors open after 2013. We've cut our costs as best we can. We've put off new ideas and projects for lack of funds and have done everything we can to streamline our costs into just story payments, meager token payments to our staff, and our various hosting and business accounts costs. But the bottom line is it's not enough, and we need more of your donations. I'd like to share a statistic with you, one I wasn't even aware of until a few weeks ago when one of the editors asked me. Between all three of our podcasts, Escape Pod, Podcastle, and Pseudopod, we have, no exaggeration here, friends, tens of thousands of listeners. Of those tens of thousands of listeners, again, no exaggeration. Only 1% have stepped up to the plate and helped us out financially since February of this year. 1%. One out of every 100 of you have chosen to donate this year. And to you, our very few but very faithful vanguards, we cannot in this moment properly express our gratitude for your ongoing and continued support. Truly. Were it not for you, we may have been closed a long time ago. But for the overwhelming majority of you, and please forgive my bluntness here, it's time to step up to the plate. Please pitch in. Please. Because without you, we're going to close. And soon. I know the economy isn't great. Believe me, I know. I was laid off recently. Yes, it's picking up, but it's nowhere near where it should be, and the American government shutdown isn't helping things. But the bottom line is that you don't need to be rich and rolling in extra money to make a huge difference for us. Let me put it this way for you. If escape artists maintain its current average expenses each month and did no new growth or development projects... And if every single one of you listening to the sound of my voice right now donated a meager $2 each month for a year, we would not have to ask or beg for your support for another 20 years. No joke, friends. No exaggeration. 
I ran the numbers. I am an accountant, remember? That's the power of your $2 a month. Kind of scary, isn't it? Look at it in a different way. If you went out to your local bookstore and bought an anthology of the year's best in your preferred genre, you'd spend an average of $12, depending on where you bought it and whether you bought it in paper or for your e-reader of choice. And what would that give you? 20 to 30 amazing short stories. But if you doubled that and sent escape artists $24, $2 a month for a year, not only would you help fund a year, a full year of short stories for your favorite podcast, that's 52 stories right there, but you would also help fund the same for the sister casts. That's 156 short stories for your $2 per month for a year. Find me a better bargain than that. I dare you. Nobody is getting rich off your donations. Our authors aren't. Our paid staff is not. Steve certainly is not. Yes, we pay our staff, but we're not looking for your support because we want to put more money in our own pockets. We're looking for your support because as a staff, we believe in what we're doing here at Escape Artists. We know you enjoy listening. After all, tens of thousands of you keep coming back week after week after week after week. That's why we're here. But if we can't count on your support, and if you all cannot find it in your budget to even send us $2 per month, then we won't be here for much longer. As I've said, I'm not exaggerating, folks. I am as serious as I can be. If our current donation levels do not improve drastically, we will have no choice but to close our doors when 2013 ends. That means no more Pseudopod, no more Podcastle, no more Escape Pod. Our feeds will go dark. We have a Kickstarter in the works for 2014 for a couple special projects we're looking at. We have new premium content we're looking to acquire, and we have big plans for 2014 and beyond. But none of them happen unless you help us now. And we're working to help you to help us. We've installed new subscription buttons for PayPal at each of the .org domains. These new buttons will allow you to choose how much you wish to subscribe to us each month. We've always operated on a $5 per month plan, and that's not going away. But we have also added the aforementioned $2 a month option. If you have a little extra cash in your pocket, we've also added a $10, $15, and $20 monthly option, as well as an option to simply pay $60 once per year. If you would like to make a one-time donation, we certainly will not complain, but please know that our long-term survivability relies on a constant and steady stream of donations month over month that is most easily achieved with the subscription options. For those of you who dislike or don't use PayPal for one reason or another, fear not. We will be bringing online new methods to send your support. Right now, we're working to get the details sorted out with Dwala.com, and we will be looking into more options as time goes on, if we're still around. If you don't like the idea of sending electronic payments, then we'll happily accept a personal check or money order mailed in. Our P.O. Box address is available on all of our websites, and we will include it in these show notes. Folks, our future is in your hands. To the 1% of you out there who have supported us this year, thank you, thank you, thank you. I wish your support on its own could be enough to sustain us, but that simply is not the reality of the situation. Still, 
If you're able to do more for us, we certainly won't complain, but we cannot ask anything more of you than to continue your support as you have in the past. To the rest of you, I encourage you to give serious thought to opening up your wallets and starting a monthly subscription. We need serious support, folks, or we will not be around on New Year's Day. Your $2 more than likely will not hurt your monthly budget. But if enough of you step up and help us out, it can make a world of difference to us and ensure we are able to continue providing genre fiction to you each week for years to come. With my apologies to Carrie Fisher and to George Lucas. Help us, EA listeners. You are our only hope. That's our show, folks. And if things don't get better in three months, that's our show. You've heard from us all. You've heard what we've got planned. You've heard what this job means to us, and you've heard how you can help. I'm not going to belabor the point. I'm just going to say this. We love this work. We love what we do. Please help us keep doing it. Without you, we're gone at the end of the year. Thanks for listening. <laughs>